All right, let's grab our Bibles tonight, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Bet you, would, bet you wouldn't have guessed it, but uh, if you guessed Galatians 5, then, then, then you win. Free sermon for you tonight, no charge. All the rest of you, I'm charging you double for not paying attention to the series that we've been going over. We were uh, about to wrap up on our, our preaching series on the fruit of the Spirit here in Galatians chapter 5. We're down to the final two, and there's only two left. So if you don't, if you don't have all of them figured out yet on the fruit of the Spirit, if you haven't gained full mastery of all the weapons that the, that the Lord gives us in this fruit of the Spirit, then you've, you've got two, two more to get, it, get under your belt. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Amen. So first I want to start off by giving you a definition of, of what meekness is, and we'll, we'll gather around some scripture to be able to good, get a good biblical understanding of what meekness is. Of meekness, I'll give you the Webster's 1828. It says, mild of temper, soft, gentle, not easily provoked or irritated, yielding, and, and here's, I think, the best definition that they give us there, given to forbearance under injuries. Okay, what meekness is, I'll give you a little more plain definition. Meekness is enduring injuries with patience and without resentment. Okay, meekness is often coupled with gentleness and long-suffering in the Bible. Let's uh, keep a marker here in Galatians. We'll be back, but turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians, next book to your right there, Ephesians chapter 4. And look at verse number 1. A lot of times you can decipher what a, what a Bible word means by a lot of the other words that the Bible uses in the same passage or in the same context. It'll help... Uh, what was that, Con contextual definition, is that what that is? Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Meekness is only present in those who do not hold themselves in high regards. Do you notice that? With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. The more proud you are, the less meek you can become. If you're one of those that demand respect or recognition or obedience or submission from others, you will not be a meek person. Okay, meekness comes uh, along with lowliness. It comes with long suffering, you're suffering a long time, it's you're getting the short end of the stick, you're getting injured, uh, you're the one being hurt about it, but you're not holding a grudge. You're not sitting there turning bitter, you're not resenting the people that are attacking you, you're not, uh, you're not thinking of vengeance upon them. Look at Colossians chapter 3, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Let's get a little bit more understanding here. 
about what meekness is because we, we get a good definition worked up here in our mind based on scripture and it's going to help us to understand what is presented to us and what is available to us through the Holy Spirit of God. Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 12. The Bible says, Colossians 3, 12, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Look at what's associated with meekness. Just just in these verses here, look at the words that come along with it. You have mercies, you have kindness, you have humbleness, you have long-suffering. None of these exalt self. None of these is, hey, look at me, or look how good I am, look at what I deserve, look at... uh, Look at the position that I should be in. Look at how highly exalted I am. None of these do that. You you can't be proud and be showing mercy to other people. You're not exalting self whenever you're showing kindness to other people. Humbleness is the direct opposite of pride. Okay, you're humbling yourself. Long-suffering means you're, you're taking, you're enduring hardships. You don't get that when you're proud. The opposite of meekness, or what's associated with the opposite of meekness, is bitterness, resentment, pride, and self-love. That's the direct opposite of meekness. Meekness, I want you to understand this, is not the absence of being hurt or offended. It is found in your response to being offended. Okay, meekness is, well, I don't let anything bother me because nothing, nothing ever hurts my feelings. Nothing, nothing ever ruffles my feathers. That's not true. Meekness is, this really bothers me, this irritates me, this frustrates me, but I'm not going to let it derail me. I, I'm not going to let it throw me in a, in a fuss. I'm not going to let it irritate and agitate me to the point that I'm flying off the handle. The best example, the best illustration that I've heard so far about uh, what meekness is. Meekness is a lot like, have you ever went around, I know, I know I did whenever I was a little boy, whenever I ever got around bodies of water, but you ever be around, uh, been around a, a, a river? We don't have many in New Mexico, but I've, I've heard tell they are wonderful things. You know, we had lakes and they all stunk. They smelled like dead fish that washed up on the shore. But in, in, in nice states, you know, that have rivers and streams and such, you get around there. North Carolina have those, plenty of rivers and streams and everything. Oh, yeah. You got, you got the ocean. What do you need a river for? But meekness is like whenever you come up to a river, you see that river flowing. And if, you, if you're a young boy, you've been around uh, young men, or maybe little girls do it too. I don't know. But you see that water and you just say, I got to chuck a rock in it. I don't know what it is. There's something about river flowing there, you pick up a rock and you throw it in there, you throw little pebbles in there and you see little splashes and you're like, that's kind of cool, I need a bigger rock. And, and so you get a bigger rock and you go up there and you throw it in there and it sploosh a little bit and you're like, hey, that's pretty cool. And then before long, you got the biggest rock that you could handle, throwing it as hard as you can to try to get as much air as possible to splash in there and the big poof, you know, in there and you're like, that's really cool. But you know what, no matter how big a rock you chuck in that river, it still keeps flowing. And you sit there and you, you, the bigger the rock you throw in there, the bigger splash it might make, but it, it never slows down the river. 
The river keeps going in the same direction. It keeps going at the same force. And even though you think you're making an indentation in that thing, after a second or two, that river just carries on like nothing ever happened. You know what that is? That's meekness. Because if you take the same, same rock or the same pebble or the same big stone that you hurl, and if you throw that thing at a wall, it's going to leave a mark. If you throw it up against your car, not my car, someone else's car, you throw it up against a car, it's going to leave a scratch, it's going to leave a dent. If you throw it at glass, it's going to shatter that glass. But you throw it in the river, a little splash is all it's going to make and then carries on like nothing happened. What's that? That's, that's like meekness. Meekness is not the fact that you didn't get rocks thrown at you. It's not the fact that you haven't been assaulted. But it's the fact that after the assault, you're able to carry on like nothing happened. You're able to get over it. You're able to keep your course. You're able to keep flowing in the same direction you were going before someone tried to derail you and interrupt your peace. You ever hear of having peace like a river? That's, that's what meekness is. You keep, in, you keep flowing that peace. You, you keep going in the right direction. Their, their assault on you does not stop you from having that peace and keeping that flow. See, everyone gets hit in this life. Something's going to offend you, something's going to hurt you, someone's going to attack you. They do that. You, you've, you've done that to someone else whether you want to admit it or not. What you do when hit, when hit shows whether or not you are meek. I want you to understand this. Getting hurt and offended has never knocked anyone out of church or away from God. It's been a lack of meekness that's done that. Because we've all been offended in church. We've all had somebody say something that has ruffled your feathers or that has hurt your feelings. And it comes from brethren and lost people alike. And they'll sit there and they'll say something and it hurts your feelings. And you say, I can't believe they said that to me. Why would they say that? Don't they know who I am? Or don't they know my past? Or don't they know how, that, how offensive that is? But some people, and I bet we could all name somebody that used to be real faithful in church, somebody that used to come, somebody that used to be strong, they believe the book, and they're here all the time, but something happened, now they're hurt, now they're offended, now they're at home, now they're gone astray, now they're out in the world, now they're steeped in sin, whatever the case may be. We know somebody that when offense came, they ran. Why is that? Oh, because they've been offended. No, because they lack the meekness to keep flowing in the right direction when that offense came. Let me give you some Bible examples of meekness. There's only two men in the Bible that the Bible specifically calls meek and labels them as meek. You probably know them both, but let's turn there. Turn to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter number 12. First example comes along with the first mention of meek or meekness, and that's the man Moses. Numbers chapter 12, verse number 1. Let's get some context here. Guess what? Get, get some understanding as to what's going on. Why is Moses called meek? Let's see if we can figure it out. Now that we know a definition, we saw a couple of scriptures that back up that definition of what meek is. Numbers chapter 12, verse number 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. 
Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth. To that date, Moses was the, was the meekest man that ever lived. Adam was not as meek as Moses. Noah was not as meek as Moses. Abraham was not as meek as Moses. Okay, Moses had, under, he had this meekness in him. Moses had had a lot of hurt in his life. He's had a lot of obstacles and stones cast into his river. Okay, there's been a lot of things that could have easily upset Moses and got him away from God and turned him away from the faith. There's plenty of things that happened in Moses' life. Remember Moses, he's the one that was tossed in a river when he was a baby. Okay, he's just a young kid. Pharaoh's demanding all the children to be, all the men babies to be killed. He's, he's tossed into a river there. In, in a little ark, you know, you know the story, he's, he's safe from it, but he could have easily used that as an excuse to be bitter and angry. Moses grew up outside of his parents' house. He, he was raised by a, bunch of, uh, by a bunch of Egyptians, right, in, in Pharaoh's household. Mayor, uh, Moses was chosen to represent Israel to Pharaoh whenever he grew up. God says, listen, you're going to go and speak to Moses on Israel's behalf. Which Israel, remember, they weren't very happy about. Why, why does he speak on our behalf? You know, who gives you the right? Who sent you? Who said you can speak for, on behalf of Israel? Israel didn't like him for it. And Pharaoh wasn't real tickled with it. Okay, Pharaoh didn't like that. Uh, Moses, he leads Israel out of Egypt just to hear their continuous complaining in the wilderness. Everything. Everything's bothering them. Oh, we're, we're going to starve to death. God says, okay, I'll give you a manna. Do we have to have still have manna? Can't we have quail? Can't we have something else? I'm a little thirsty today. Where aren't you? Aren't we going to die? Wouldn't it have been better if we'd just been in Egypt? Always murmuring, always complaining, and they're always doing that towards Moses. Moses, it's your fault. Mo Moses, where, where's God? Why don't you talk to God for us? Why aren't you a good mediator for us? You know why? Why aren't we always having the things that we desire, Moses? And it never seemed to upset him. Now, in Numbers chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 12, now his brother and his sister is bad-mouthing his wife because she's black. Happy Black History Month, by the way, if I forgot to tell you that. Um, we, we'll, we'll go over our, all of our African roots here in another lesson, I'm sure. And we'll, we'll enjoy that because we, we, we need to celebrate this month. Praise the Lord. So, yeah, power and all that stuff. There we go. But Miriam and Aaron... <laughs> We can have fun on Sunday nights. It's fine. That's fine. But Miriam and Aaron are mad because Moses' wife is black. They, they said, this is ridiculous. How dare you marry a black woman? And so they're, they're giving him a hard time about that. And, and Moses, he doesn't contact ACLU. He doesn't file lawsuits about it. He doesn't uh, demand reparations. He, he doesn't do any of these things. Because of it, Moses gets another opportunity to show his meekness. Look at what happens. So, so Moses, he's dealing with all these things all the time, and now his family's turning against his wife. There's, there's great reason for offense. But look at what happens, verse number four. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, 
who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and, uh, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. So notice God reprimands Miriam and Aaron for going against Moses, and God starts speaking on Moses' behalf because that's what happens when you're meek. You're letting God fight your battles. You're not worried about getting even. And notice here, verse 10, here, here's what starts happening. We, we already got into it a little bit. Uh, verse 10, And the cloud departed from off the, tabernacle, uh, off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Moses looked upon, uh, uh, I'm sorry, and Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Moses said, Ha, 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 serves you right. That's what you get, Miriam. How dare you talk? <laughs> Isn't it interesting that Miriam... And Aaron are giving Moses a hard time about his wife being black. And so God makes Miriam whiter than snow. You think my wife has too much melanin in her skin and God goes after her and says, okay, you're going to be white and leprous, white as snow. If you're so worried about skin color, Miriam, here you go. God, God makes her leprous. Verse 11. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, and of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. Here's Moses' real response. Here's what Moses did. He didn't laugh at him. Here's what Moses did. Verse 13. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech Thee. Though slighted by his siblings, Moses never savored their suffering. He never said, well, you know what, Miriam, you deserve it. You know what, <laughs> why don't we just give it a couple days so Miriam can figure out and feel what a leper really feels like, experience that, because she deserves it. No, there wasn't anything in Moses that reveled in Miriam get, getting her comeuppance. Moses quickly prayed for Miriam's healing. What is that? That's meekness. He didn't savor her suffering. He said, you know what? I, I, I wish no ill on her. I know, I know she was getting after me. I know Aaron was getting after me because of my wife. I know they're starting to strike me. I know they're starting to cast, throat, cast stones in my river here. But I, I hold no grudge. I have no ill will. Her healing was more important to Moses than his revenge or his satisfaction. What is that? That's what meekness is. Meekness is, I take no joy in the suffering of my oppressor. It's, uh, I, I really do hope the best for them. That's what meekness is. Our other example and our, our best example of meekness is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. The Lord, the Lord lets us know that he is meek, which he is. I mean, he backs it up. He, he can sit there, he can state that fact. It's not pride or arrogance in, in him stating the fact that he was meek. 
he's telling the truth here. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. And as we understand what meekness is, we, we know Jesus Christ is the epitome of meekness. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus is meek. Jesus is the epitome of meekness. Matthew 21 verse 5 says, Tell ye the daughters of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, the colt the full of an ass. Jesus is called meek twice in the Bible. Is there any doubt that Jesus was meek and lowly? I mean, whatever meekness is the definition, the definition of meekness is being able to take abuse and not retaliate. Whenever, whenever that's the definition of meekness, Jesus is the prime example. How much more self-sacrificing could anybody be than what Jesus Christ was? All the abuse laid on Jesus Christ was undeserved. All of it was unmerited. None of it could, could righteously be explained. And yet with every stripe, he cast no anger. With, when those nails were being driven into his hands, he held no grudge against those Roman soldiers doing that deed. When the crown of thorn was placed on his head, whenever, whenever they were spitting in his face, when they were pulling his beard, when they were plowing his back like a field, Jesus never said, oh yeah, one day you're going to get yours. Oh yeah, don't worry, I, there's a place in hell for you. He never once condemned any of those men. And he, he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Jesus never let his abuse stop him from going to the cross. He, he never let that vengeance and that hatred that other people every day put on him, he never let that deviate his course from going to Calvary. He never said, okay, listen, I know what the Lord wants me to do. I, I, I know my goal in this life is to suffer and bleed and die to pay for the sins of all mankind. And he never said, okay, that's enough. I've had enough people talk bad about me. I've had enough people deny me. I've, I've, I've had enough. That's it. I'm changing courses. He never once did that. He said, okay, one more stone in the river. One more rock thrown in my pond, but that's, that's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going the same way. I'm not going to let it stop me. How less of a grudge can you hold than Jesus did? Romans 5, 28, you know the verse, or Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to understand this about meekness. Meekness is not a natural quality. It's not something that you're born with that you're just like, no, you know, <laughs> me getting hurt? Nah, that doesn't bother me. Nobody is born with that quality. It is often a supernatural quality that God enables people with. The only reason I believe that Moses had it is because of his close relationship with God. And we, we I, I don't have that close of a relationship with God, and I, I don't think you do either. The only reason Jesus Christ had it is because he was God manifest in the flesh. It is a supernatural ability. But since the Christian has the Holy Spirit, 
and has been put into Christ, we have access to that same meekness that Jesus Christ had. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 10.1. I'm glad it's a fruit of the Spirit because if, if I want to have meekness in my life, I've, I've got to do it through Christ who lives in me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in present in base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. Paul is drawing from the meekness and gentleness of Christ that's in him. That's what we can do as well. Jesus Christ has to calm your waters after an offense. The Holy Spirit has to empower you to keep your current strong and unhindered. There are certain things, because people, there, there are some people that seem to be experts on tripping my trigger. <laughs> there, there are people that, that are masters of the offense. There are some people out there that know how to bother everybody. And they're good at it because they practice at it day in and day out. The only way that you can stay meek in the presence of people whose goal is to irritate you is to draw on the meekness of Jesus Christ. But you have access to it through the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's look at some of the applications uh, of meekness in a Christian's life. When are we expected to show meekness? When is it that we, we need the Lord's meekness more than other times in our life. Turn back to Galatians. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Here's when we should exhibit some meekness. Here's some application when we're told to, be, to have meekness in our life. When we're told to exercise this meekness of Christ that we get access to. Uh, number one, when restoring fallen brethren. Galatians chapter 6 verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. See what's going to stop that, that spirit of meekness? is thinking that you're more than what you're not. More than what you are, rather. But it says there in Galatians 6, 1, If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, if you think you are, you're probably not. <laughs> ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. We're expected to restore a fallen brethren in the spirit of meekness. It's a, it's a sad thing when someone's overtaken in a fault especially someone in the church. Maybe it's overtaken in some sin. Maybe it's error. Maybe it's just they don't care about God anymore and they leave the church. And you can do what's natural and you can slander them. You could badmouth them and you can question their salvation. Or you could sit there and say, well, I knew this was coming. 
you know, there was always something about them. I knew they were coming out of the church. I, I knew that they had this thing in their life. I just, I just knew. I could just tell. I knew they weren't really as spiritual as I am. Or you could not let their fault stop your love and your prayer for them. You could sit there and say, you know what, they've, they've stumbled and they've fallen in this area, they've fallen into this sin, they've fallen out of church, they've decided to go this way, which they know is wrong. But you know what? That could be me. I, I, I could do that too. I, I've, I know my weaknesses. They always seem to be a pretty good brother, a pretty good sister. And I, 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 don't, I don't quite understand it, but I know if it happened to them, it could happen to me. There's nothing special about me that keeps me from doing what they just did. And you know what I need to do? I need to still be there with a card, with a phone call, with my prayers, and say, listen, I, I, I know that they've turned against God in this. I know that they're doing wrong in this. But hey, if they ever want to come back, I'm going to be here with open arms, not with excuses or doubt. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, oh, look at them. It's not like they could ever come back to church. They, they can come back. They can. And I'm going to help them, Lord willing. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, it could happen to me, lest thou also, also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Have compassion on someone that that, that happens to, that, that is overtaken in a fault. Have compassion on them. Look for a way to restore fellowship if they repent and they want to come back. Don't embrace the sin, but be ready to forgive. Especially if that offense was against you. So number one, when restoring a fallen brethren, that's, that's one of the applications of meekness in a Christian's life. Number two, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. When's a Christian supposed to exercise meekness? And to whom is, an extra, is a Christian supposed to exercise meekness? 2 Timothy 2, 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. When's a Christian supposed to meek when it, uh, be meek when instructing those that oppose themselves? If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. So instruction, I want you to understand this, instruction that is done in meekness goes a long way. But if you're instructing in it with a condescending attitude, that means pride is present and the lesson will not be accepted. You've, you've, you've had someone try to instruct you that way before, right? Oh, why in the world are you doing it that way? That is the absolute worst possible way you can do that. Don't you know I'm an expert at this? Don't you know I, I've tried it that way? It will absolutely not work. Let me show you the best way you could possibly do the task that you're doing. What's that? Instruction in pride. 
Okay, you, you want to instruct somebody that's opposing themselves, someone that is doing something. Because remember, they're ignorant in this. They don't know that what they're doing is hurting themselves. They don't know that their decisions is leading to destruction or hurt. And so they're, they're already probably on a lower mental capacity, or at least they haven't seen what the Lord's seen you, maybe through experience and, and trial and error. But they, don't, they might not know what you know, especially in this area. And so you're trying to instruct them for their own good. And if you come to them in a spirit of, hey, listen, I've, I've, I've messed up here before. I've, I've tried that before. It, it, you're not going to like that. If you come to them in, a, in an attitude of meekness, if you instruct them biblically with a spirit of meekness and lowliness, you can be of great benefit to those who are snared by the devil into future destruction. But it's whenever we come to them and we try to instruct in pride that it's going to be rejected. But if we sit there and we just say, man, I've been there. You know what? I've, I've tried the same thing. I've tried it many times. It hasn't worked for me a single solitary time. You know what the Lord had to show me through many more trials and error than what you're going through right now? The Lord showed me that the best way to handle this is this right here. Here's the scripture that God showed me whenever I was making a bigger mistake than what you're heading into. You know what that is? That's, that's meekness. Just, hey, I, I'm nobody. I'm dumber than what you are right now. Probably shouldn't say that. But I'm dumber. I've been dumber than what you are right now. But let me just tell you what God showed me. It's just, a, I'm nobody, I, I'm, I've just had mistakes. What's, what's that? That's a spirit of meekness trying to instruct people that what you're doing, it's not going to work out because I've already failed in that area. That's a lot different than, man, you're a moron, don't you know? Haven't you learned by now? No, they haven't. That's why they're in the snare. That's why they're having the problem. God expects us to have a spirit of meekness when we're instructing somebody who's gone through something that the Lord's already brought us through. He expects us to have that meekness. And did you notice here in 2 Timothy 2, 24, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. You think that meekness also has to deal with all men? Look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Who are we supposed to be meek to? Towards everybody. That means you're not thinking you're better than anybody. That means that you're just not holding grudges against anybody. That means you're not letting the stripes and the offenses of anybody keep you from loving them like you're supposed to love them. We're supposed to exercise meekness towards everybody. What a high hurdle that is. But you can through the Holy Spirit. You can you're in Jesus Christ. Turn to this one, 1 Peter chapter 3. It's 
So application of meekness in a Christian life. Number one, when restoring falling brethren. Number two, when helping those who are ignorantly hurting themselves. Number three, here's the hardest one. How about when responding to those attacking you? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 14. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Notice these Christians who are giving a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Notice they are suffering for righteousness sake in verse 14. And the people to which they are supposed to show meekness to are speaking evil of them as evildoers in verse number 16. That means as Christians, we're supposed to be exercising meekness to the people that are sitting there bad-mouthing us to our face and the people that are causing us to suffer for righteousness' sake. The people that are giving you a hard time about being a Christian. The people that are gossiping about you on Facebook. The people that are bad-mouthing you behind your back to your friends. Those are the ones we're supposed to be exercising meekness towards. Those are the ones, the ones that are often closest to us, the ones whose words dig deeper and hurt more than anybody else, friends or family, those ones that should be showing you love, the ones that are stabbing you in the back, those are the ones that we're not supposed to let hurt us and not our, that we're not supposed to let change our course and direction. That's a tall order. Do you realize there are three ways to respond to a verbal abuse from other people? Because these people are speaking evil as of them that, uh, them that are evildoers, and they're making you suffer for righteousness' sake. There's three ways to respond to verbal abuse or even physical abuse from other people. Number one, you can fight back either verbally or physically. Stand your ground, fight back. Number two, you could respond with pride. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just what you think. But, you know, I know how great I am. I know I'm not like that. I, I, I know, you know, just tell them, well, sticks and stones can hurt my bones or <laughs> break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Or you can sit there and, hey, I did that in, in uh, school whenever I was growing up, just sit there with pride. Oh, yeah, they're just jealous. You know, I, I know what they say, but they're just jealous because they're not as good as I am. At least that's what my mom says. You know, that, that gets you real far. So you could respond with, by counterattacking. You could respond in pride. Or number three, you could respond in meekness. They're bad-mouthing you. They're slandering you. They're attacking you. How can you respond to meekness in that? Well, with the attitude of, I'm nothing special, and I sure have my faults, but Jesus has forgiven me, and he could help them too if they turn to him. 
What's that? Meekness. Uh, I like what, what one preacher, he, he was getting attacked all the time. People always slandering him, you know, Facebook. Or, or they, would, they would write articles and they write books against him and things like that. And someone would bring it up to his attention and say, aren't you, aren't you upset about what all these people are saying about you? He said, well, at least they're not telling the truth. Well, at least whenever they're picking on me, they're not picking on someone else. What's that spirit of meekness? I deserve it, man. I'm, I'm glad they don't know the real dirt that's out there. I'm glad they really don't know what I've done. I'm glad they have to make up things to try to hurt me. Because if they knew the truth, that would be much worse. I'm glad people don't know all the, all the horrible things I've done or thought or said or, or felt in my heart. I'm glad people don't know that. Respond with meekness to those that attack you. I'm nothing special. But praise God, I'm forgiven. You know, there's some benefits that come with meekness. Those are the applications. Let me give you some benefits the Bible says that you get whenever you let the Lord. Remember, through the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit working in you. It's not you drawing on your strength. It's not you finally becoming a good enough person to do these things. It's you tapping in to God's power living inside you to be able to do what He wants you to do through Him, not through you. So whenever you finally yield to the Spirit, whenever you finally let the Lord work these things out in you, often through some bumps and bruises, but whenever you finally allow the Lord to use the Holy Spirit in you to accomplish these purposes, and you let Him through His power do what He wants to do with you anyway, He promises some blessing and some benefit for you, to you, by letting Him do what He's already doing what you allow him to do. Isn't that something? Isn't it weird that the Lord will sit there and give you benefits and blessings for just letting him do what he wants to do in your life? What a great God we serve. Let me give you a couple of these blessings, a couple of these benefits that the Bible says he's going to give you for allowing him to put meekness in your life. Psalm chapter 147. Psalms 147. Meekness, it's getting the short end of the stick. It's getting, it's, it's getting hurt and not holding a grudge. It's taking the, taking the beatings verbally, spiritually, and staying your course. I'm not talking about domestic violence or anything like that. I'm, I'm talking about verbal assaults. I'm, I'm talking about offenses that we all face. Okay, I'm not condoning any kind of you know, if, if a woman's getting beat, speak up, say something about it. That's a criminal offense. Don't hide crimes. You don't hide sin. Okay, we're not talking about that, so please don't get confused. Benefits of meekness. Psalms 147, look at verse 6. The Lord lifteth up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. You know what the Lord promises you if you're meek? He promises to lift you up. That other person is putting you down. That other person is hurting you. And they're speaking ill of you. They're mistreating you. They're, they're verbally abusing you. They're, they're, they're bad-mouthing you for Christ's sake or for whatever other sake. 
And, and you're just plugging along. You're saying, I'm going to keep my course. I'm going to keep my testimony. I'm going to keep going on for the Lord. I'm going to keep doing it, even though all these people are trying to derail me, even though they're trying to knock me off my course. I know what the Lord wants me to do. I know He wants me to live for Him. I know how He wants me to handle this situation. I'm not going to let them knock me off. And by the Lord's strength, I'm just going to keep flowing. I'm going to keep going. Those of these rocks get cast in my direction. And God says, if you just keep going... If you let them not affect you, he says, I will lift you up. God's not going to let you be a doormat forever. God's not going to let you just sit there and get up to heaven and just be a pincushion for all eternity. Jesus was meek and lowly. He was despised and rejected for a time. Now he's exalted on high and given a name that's above every name. Jesus is going to return and he's going to rule and reign forevermore. What happened? God lifted him up. He was meek and lowly here for a time. He took suffering for years. But for eternity, God lifted him up. God exalted him. God allows the meek to be hurt right now along with the proud. But the meek get to have God lift them up. God says, that suffering's hard. I've been there. I know that. God says, those stones hurt. I know. I've been there. I understand. God says, I I know that gossip is hurtful. I know that slander stabs your soul. He goes, I know. I've been there. I've been through that. I know them lying about you. I know that hurts. I've been there. I know that. But just like Jesus Christ was lifted up, God is not going to let you, if you're meek, stay there in the ground. He's not going to let you be trampled on. He's going to lift you up. He's going to embrace you. He's going to exalt you. The proud lift up themselves. God lifts up the meek. I'd rather God lift me up than me lift me up. Look at this. Look at this one. Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29. That's quite a benefit. (laughs) You let God do His work and have His will and His way in your life. And He helps you through the hard times and through the attacks and through the abuse, through His power. And then He says, if you just let me do what I want to do in your life, I'm going to lift you up. Wow, what part of that do I deserve? None. (laughs) None of it. But look at this, Isaiah 29. Look at verse number 19. Isaiah 29, 19, the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. You know what the meek get? The meek get their joy increased in the Lord. Everyone gets hurt and everyone gets offended. You can become resentful, you become bitter, and you can become hard or... You can draw on Jesus' meekness and the meekness provided by the Holy Spirit and He can give you more joy. That's even during the hardships. That's during the attacks. That's during the slander. God can give you that joy to make you through, get you through it. You know, I know they're saying these things about you, but God says, don't worry about that. You know that's not true. Don't worry about it. Just keep going on. Okay, Lord. All right. He can give you that joy through the hard time. You know, it's awfully hard to have joy when you're holding a grudge. 
you have that meekness, you, let, you allow the Lord to help you get over those offenses, and you know what? You, you suddenly don't care so much anymore about how much they hurt you. But without the Lord, if you're, you're a Christian grudge holder, you sit there and you say, nope, I'm not getting over that. They did that to me. It was 20 years ago, but I remember like it was yesterday. And you wouldn't believe the situation and the circumstances around that offense. They did that to me, and I will never forgive them about that. How dare they do that to me? Yeah, that's, that's the flesh talking. But you walk after the Spirit, and you let Jesus come up right beside you, and he goes, yep, I know how that feels. I know it. They did it to me. I know it. I've been there. I know what that's like. Let me come give you some joy. That bitterness, it's going to sour those, that taste in your mouth for years. But why don't you just, why don't you leave that there? And why don't you put my yoke upon you, put my yoke upon you and learn of me? Because I, I've been there. That hurt, it's temporary if you let it be. That hurt, you can get over if you let me take it away from you. But I've got this joy lined up in your life, but you can't have it if you hold on to that hurt. So why don't you drop that hurt? Why don't you leave it there? Why don't you just take this joy and follow me? And you know what? When you, when you let that hurt go, you wouldn't believe the relief that you get. You, you, you don't, don't understand unless you've experienced it just how much it doesn't bother you anymore what they did to you. Why? Because the Lord, you, you allowed the Lord to give you this meekness and this joy that you can't have without Him. But it's just like any of the other fruit of the Spirit. If you don't partake of it, if you don't nurture it, if you don't pluck it, you're not going to enjoy it. Instead, you could sit there with a sour taste in your mouth with bitterness. Or you can lay hold of that fruit of the Spirit. Exercise that meekness and receive the joy. Let me ask you this. How's your meekness? How do you respond to attacks from other people? Do their stones shatter your windows or dent your cars? If you yield to the Spirit, their offenses can be just but a splash in your river. Supernatural meekness is made available to every believer. Do you want it? Why not ask the Lord to help you with it?